0: No. More you talk now. Hey guys, it's you talk. I hope you like music because we're talking music tonight and uh, I just was talking with our guests before we started and uh, learned some more stuff from him and he's going to share it with you. He was born and raised in Middle Tennessee. He is an amazing keyboard player, singer, and songwriter. In fact, he's working on a new album, which I'm excited about. So Chris, Come on up and join us. Join me. What? <laughs> Great to see you, man. How are you I'm doing, Steve? I'm good. I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm good. Every day's a good day. Good, good. All right. You grew up in Middle Tennessee. Did you spend much time in what's typically called Music City, Nashville?
1: Uh, I spent a fair amount of time in Nashville growing up. Um, we lived about an hour and a half away, so it was a treat for us to get to go oh, to Nashville. Okay. Uh, but when I was a little older. Uh, maybe 12 or 13. My brother and I actually uh, won a few talent shows uh, playing bluegrass. Uh, so we, I've been to the uh, the original Grand Ole Opry before it flooded. Uh, now it's been relocated. Oh, where'd they move it to? Because I was at the original one as well. Uh, so the original one flooded, I want to say, in 2008. Okay, yeah, it's been, been a month since um, I've been there. Now it's been relocated. So they have part of the stage cut out so that you still get to stand on the original center oh, stage wood, but oh. not the same stage anymore. So you actually played
0: the Opry. See, I never had that chance. I visited, I've been to some stuff there, but I never played it. Yeah. So that's really cool. So you're, you and your brother had a band for a while.
1: Is that uh, we, we played just the two of us. Yeah, yeah. We played bluegrass. I primarily play the piano, but my second instrument is the mandolin. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I just learned something else new about you. <laughs> yeah. You got to play, uh, if you're going to play bluegrass, you have to have a stringed instrument. Oh, they absolutely. They don't typically let the piano player in. Yeah. I was going to say that the piano player doesn't happen
0: there. <laughs> I got to tell you, I tried to learn how to play the guitar. Uh, a number of years ago but I wanted to play it like a percussion mm. instrument you know and I just couldn't get my fingers working and then I was at the NAM show the, the North American Music Marketers yeah. deal and some guys from Brazil had created almost like a cajon but it was the shape of a guitar yeah and they filmed me doing it and they said look if we film you we're going to give you one and I never got it so <laughs> but it was fun you know it's fun to get that rhythm out of it. okay you you started playing at
1: a young age. Was it five, I think? I yeah. did. I started playing piano at five. Uh, I say five because I have pictures of me in a diaper trying to reach up and play the keys uh, prior to being five. And I know at five, my brother and I were already sitting down around the house and writing our own songs. Seriously? Yeah. At five years old? Yeah, at ten we had our uh, first band called the Dog Biscuits.
0: What was the motivation for that title?
1: Uh, we were kids. And you had dogs, I suppose? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you want to pick a name that sounds cool or off the wall. And yeah. this, this was in the 90s, so Dog Biscuits made sense. You know, <laughs> play a little grunge, a little punk rock. Absolutely. Okay, I got
0: to ask you this. If you could pick one song, like a, a popular song of, of sorts, that describes you, and, and you hear that song, and you say, oh, that's me, what would it be?
1: Um, so, for me... I got to go back to some older popular music. Okay, yeah, no, uh, but probably Lionel Richie's "Easy Like a Sunday Morning." That's probably me in a nutshell. Uh, like I said, every day's a good day. I would always try and keep a smile on, try and keep a positive outlook. Um, you know, nothing can hold me back, nothing can keep me down. So I got to I got to go with "Easy Like a Sunday Morning."
0: You know, I'd have to agree with that. Just be, I mean, the short time I've known you, but every time I see you. You know, you're just chilled and, and you got a smile on your face. How, how are you? You know, it's it's that kind of a thing. It's it's Now, if I picked a song, and I'm just thinking this off the top of my head, I guess it would be Wipeout, <laughs> which goes way back. I know the song. <laughs> yeah. I got so when I was doing clubs I got so tired of it. Hey, can you do Wi-Fi? Of course, you yeah. Know?
1: It's like is there a song like that that they cut the keyboard they come up to and say, hey, "Can you play this song?" and oh, it happens over and over. You know, I get lots of them. The the one that's probably most often requested clearly is going to be Billy Joel's piano, man. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. Not that I'm tired of playing that though. And I actually love Billy Joel. So the Billy Joel and the Elton John requests, I don't mind at all. Hmm. But you still always get the people that want to hear uh, Free Bird. Um <laughs> Turn the Page by Bob Seger, you know. (laughs) Those are the ones that I might be a little more tired of playing. (laughs) You know, in Nashville, if you play Freebird or The Devil Went Down to Georgia, you have to do it for at least a $100 tip. Really? Nobody on Main Street's allowed to play those songs for more than a $100 tip. It's an unwritten rule. That's funny, Devil Went Down to Georgia. Well, I guess that motivates you to say,
0: okay, I'll do it, but...
1: Yeah, I yeah, mean... you got to put the money down. Most of those bands will tell you, we can play it, but we can't do it for less than $100 because that's the precedent. They want those, t- those two songs. Those two songs. Yeah.
0: Why those two songs?
1: Uh, because, the, you know, over the years, those are the songs that are probably overly requested. Hmm. And if you want someone to do it and do it well, it's going to cost you, you know, 100 bones. <laughs> we can have a whole conversation just on
0: requests that bands get. You <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, it's doing the work we've done. <laughs> All right, with with music, uh, you've traveled a lot doing it. Um is there is there one gig that you've done over the years that was really memorable to you? It was un, it was an unusual place, it was an unusual situation.
1: Maybe there's more than one. Um there there are definitely there's definitely more than one. The one that stands out the most to me, uh this was probably three years ago. I did a really cool festival in Pine Top, Arizona okay. uh, with my band, Dirty Sunset. Uh, and what was cool about it was the, the venue, the, the people that were setting up the music festival, booked us a cabin mm. for our band. So okay. we had this six-bedroom cabin nice. in Pine Pinetop uh, for the entire weekend, and we, we played Saturday and Sunday, I believe. Maybe it was just Saturday, um, but it was such a really cool amphitheater a little outside amphitheater Mm -hmm. and uh, there were people riding horses through the through the crowd while we were playing it was one of the coolest spots Um, another place that I got to play uh, one of the coolest things that I remember uh, is was actually with Richard Dietrich and it was at a school in um, Jamaica and I'll never forget seeing an ocean of children and and young adults, maybe 600, 700 Mm -hmm. kids and and youth, uh, and every one of them with a smile on their face to see a live band. I'll never forget that. That was a really cool moment.
0: That is an awesome place. I had forgotten you had been. I think you and I went different years or I think something. So, yeah. and, and he's trying to get I've me. I've three times now. Have you? I've only been once. He's trying to get me to come back and maybe we can go the same year <laughs> yeah. and put a band together. Yeah. I got to tell you about one of my experiences just in. I don't know why it, it, it came to the frontal lobes of my mind here when we're talking, but I was, it was up in the San Francisco Bay area, in fact we were in Livermore, and they had a rodeo, and they wanted to have a, like a big rodeo party afterwards, Sure. so they shut down the streets of, of this, you know, of Livermore, and they had big flatbed trailers that they had pulled in to put a stage. you've done this mm-hmm. before, and you know, I was with this, this country band, and, and I had a brand new drum kit, just bought this this Rogers this titty. already sounds like
1: it's going down a bad road yeah it's,
0: it's, it's, it's going down and so we're up there playing we're having a great time and, and this this parking lot where we are is just filling up filling up filling up you know and people are getting a little bit rowdy and and uh, pretty soon we're seeing you know, there's a lot of, of, of police action starting <laughs> to happen you know and, and this one cop comes up and he goes hey guys it's getting really rowdy we may, we may come up and say you're out of here stop the music we gotta shut this thing down and I'm going, we gotta get my drums out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes back up, same guy. I mean, and we're seeing sirens and, and you know cop cars are coming in from everywhere he comes up he goes somebody just took a broken bottle and shanked the cop he said shut it down now and get off the stage and get out of here yeah save the drums
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I did that's exactly you know, I had a buddy with me I go we gotta save these things yeah. we didn't even pack them down right or anything but we're running getting them in the car and getting out of there you know going down one way streets the wrong way and uh, there's uh, probably dozens of music gig stories we could talk oh, yeah. about do you um, when it comes to music and we live in this very divided, tense time. Mm. Does music play a role, could it play a role in, in just what's going on in our culture, what's going on between people, so much divisiveness?
1: Is, does music have an important role in that? Of course it does. I, I think one of the coolest things we get to see now um, is music therapy. Mm. Uh, a lot of psychologists and, and psychiatrists these days are actually using music therapy uh, to help people process uh, emotional baggage. Mm. Um, um, you know, bad memories, good memories. Uh, it's m- music is definitely therapeutic, and it's it's cool that we live in a time now where everyone has access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different forms of radio via the internet, uh, social media. We have. Music videos at our disposal everywhere we go. Every place. Um, and and yeah, I mean, especially as a musician, music has always been a sanctuary or a, or a safe place for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's helped me make it through rough times in life. Uh, I was you know overweight and picked on a lot as a kid, mm. um, and music definitely helped me get through all of that. Even though you know I was the, the stereotypical band geek. Uh, chubby and and yeah. you know picked on and bullied and uh, but those those lessons those times those uh, you know overcoming those things those obstacles those help me be where I'm at today. Mm. I wouldn't be a full time musician if I hadn't stuck with it and mm. really kept my nose to the grindstone. But uh, they're you know like I said the the therapy part of music is is probably why I'm still playing music. Interesting.
0: Now with. With a keyboard, with piano, whatever keyboard it is, can you play it? Like if you're you're in an anxious mood, can you play it
1: aggressively? Sure. Okay. <laughs> of course. Um, I, one of the things that I notice is, as you know, I'm, I'm a performing musician, so mm-hmm. I still I still gig out multiple times a week. Um, you know, if I'm having a, a good night. You will nine times out of out of ten hear me playing a lot of f- cheerful, happy, upbeat music. Interesting. If I'm not in the best mood, or if I have someone heckling me, or if I have you know, if I've had something bad happen yeah. to me that day, I might play a lot of uh, you know Pink Floyd and interesting, um, you know, some darker music, some Gary Jules, Madwoman, you know, <laughs> who, who knows? Uh, but it, you know, so, or some some really slow, depressing blues, mm-hmm. or you know. Mm-hmm. See, I was hoping you were gigging tonight because
0: <laughs> after the after the show, you know, a buddy of mine and I were going to. I thought let's let's just test it. We'll heckle. Yeah. No, i heard you before, and, and you do a great job. The reason I ask that question is, like, for me as a drummer, um, I can play so aggressively. I can go in and if, if I'm angry, uh, which doesn't happen a lot. I mean, I will just. Play the drums. Go through three pairs of sticks. Yeah, yeah and up team heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, just because I, I just want to. You know, but it's it's interesting how music is something everybody hmm. can enjoy. Sure, it's not. You teach, uh, and I teach. We'll have to talk about that a little bit more. I wish every student every. Let's say teen and young adult could learn how to play, and and a uh, tween and, and elementary age mm-hmm. could learn how to play an instrument. I think it would make a difference in their life, and I think a difference
1: then in, in the world in which we live. I agree wholeheartedly. I think um, it's funny that in in at least American culture, uh, we push things like sports mm-hmm. uh, and team team activities mm-hmm. on children, uh, but I know that the one-on-one time that i get with students and and seeing uh whether it's a grown person or a -hmm. a child learn something new or accomplish something musically Mm -hmm. you know that's still like scoring a touchdown Mm -hmm. or or you know breaking someone's ankles in in basketball it's it's the same feeling yeah it, it truly that feeling of accomplishment and and uh Adding something to your tool belt, you know, mm-hmm. something at your disposal. So this is another thing that you have that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I said, it's it's funny that in our culture we push sports not so much music, and you see parents pushing music on children in a lot of other cultures. Yes, absolutely. I was just going to say that. Now, when you when a student comes to you
0: and you agree to give them lessons, mm-hmm. in your mind, um, in the process of teaching them, is, is there? Uh, Besides helping them to learn how to play this instrument and chord structures and things like that, um, is there an overall goal or a couple goals you have in mind for that student with them coming to you to learn how
1: to play? Uh, Most definitely, and before I touch on that, the one thing that I always like to do, uh, I always tell parents that I want to give the student uh, one lesson free, Hmm. because I always want to see how much how much of them being in the lesson in the first part was their idea versus their parents' idea? Oh! Because if they're 100% in the mindset that they want to play the instrument, Mm -hmm. I'm down. No matter what, I'll Mm -hmm. teach them. If if they're a little resistant to the thought of it, I'm sometimes hesitant to teach the lesson because if it's forced, Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be a wall regardless. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Mm -hmm. if the student is, or, or if the potential student is actively wanting to learn, I love that because mm-hmm. the one thing that we want to teach more than music is every opportunity to teach life lessons. Absolutely. So, yes. you know, throughout the duration of a single lesson, I might touch on one life lesson throughout us playing the piano because mm-hmm. that's the real important one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, it's interesting what you're saying because I've had.
0: Situations where, and I, and you probably have run into this as well, where parents are saying, "Well, I I need to sit in the the entire lesson." It's like, no, 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 not going to happen. You know, it, it just isn't going to happen. And and you see such a, I, I've always seen such a different attitude. Like fathers are, it's usually fathers more than mothers mm. when they come in, and I will allow them to come in. I told you, you, yeah. know, you know, it's like, no, no, I don't want that. <clears throat> I don't want no. that. You know, it's it. I want your son or your daughter to be free when they're here or and to look forward to coming back exactly yeah. you know instead of oh this drudgery i gotta go what is the youngest
1: student you've had uh eight okay uh i've had i've, I've taught a couple of eight and nine year olds mm. <clears throat> I, I i don't mind teaching younger uh students Like I said, I started playing the piano when I was five. Yeah, I mean, that's Um, crazy. The difference is that I wasn't taking lessons. Hmm. Uh, Both my parents played piano, Mm -hmm. so I just started actively learning. I started watching them when they played. Mm -hmm. I started practicing on my own. Hmm. Um, I was already enforcing practice routines on myself as a kid. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, But my brother and I both did that. We both played multiple instruments. We had a house full of instruments. So when I got home from school, Rather than going out and playing with the other kids or riding my bicycle or playing sports, Mm. I sat around and I played a few minutes on the banjo, played a few minutes on the violin, played a few minutes on the piano. I played the alto sax, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade in the marching band. That's crazy. See, I
0: I never could make... I tried clarinet, and the clarinet, I didn't get along. See, the amateur for
1: the woodwind was easier for me than the amateur for brass. I could never play Mm. brass.
0: Interesting. And I, I have to admit, I tried to learn how to play piano, but I think my piano teacher was older than Dirk, <laughs> you know? And she had this this way, way, way back in time. A very
1: traditional, classical way to yeah, teach. Yeah, and I
0: could never get my hands to do the right thing, and she had this massive ruler uh-huh.
1: with a metal edge. And okay? she would hit you in the Yes, throat. of You're course right. she did, yeah. So I took three piano lessons uh, growing up. I took three piano lessons, and it wasn't for me. <clears throat> I had a very, uh, a much older lady uh, as my instructor, very traditional, very formal, very classical. Huh. It wasn't my cup of tea. Huh. I'm a jazz player, so our finger structure is different anyway. Mm-hmm. She wanted me to sit close to the black keys and keep mm-hmm. my fingers <laughs> curved and keep my back upright. and I'm the opposite of all three of those things.
0: So. <laughs> now, having parents that were musicians, in fact, your dad's in the Hall of
1: Fame, is he not? He is. Is it the yeah, Jazz Hall of Fame? He's in the Jazz Hall of Fame. Who did he play with? When so did My dad play? played with uh, Norman Mason, wow. which is... Uh, he, he's another jazz hall of famer. My dad played one show with Louis Armstrong. Ooh! Um, he he played with uh, Johnny Hayes, I'm sorry, Jimmy Hayslip, which is one of the most famous jazz trombone players mm-hmm. uh, through mm-hmm. the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, but he played on riverboats between Chicago, St. Louis, wow, Memphis, wow. Uh, New Orleans. Uh, he did a lot of riverboat shows. He did a lot of um, shows in St. Louis at a place that's. No longer a venue. It used to be called Gaslight Square. Yeah. Uh, And it was one of the very first jazz venues in downtown St. Louis, which is where my dad was from. Hmm. Uh, But he he grew, like I said, he was born in 33. Hmm. So my dad actually grew up in the 40s playing jazz and the 50s playing jazz. Uh, So he got to play with some really awesome musicians. Oh, he did. And he must have been...
0: Amazing to get to get to the Hall of Fame. I mean, that you know, doesn't
1: Well, he played a, a very unique style of piano. There were very there. I think there were only four or five of them that are recognizable to anyone. If I were to name them, but he hmm. played what's called barrel house style piano. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did a lot of octave chord with the left hand while he hmm. played with his right hand. But he could play melodies with both hands. Wow! So he played ragtime and Dixieland. Oh. That, those were the oh. styles that he played. Fun stuff. Fun stuff
0: to play and listen to. Did having. Musical parents? Do you think that had a big impact on you and your brother playing music? Of course music? it
1: did, and and not just musically, but artistically. Our okay. parents encouraged us to be creative. Hmm. So we, you know, we grew up drawing, writing. Hmm. Uh, I, I was entering uh, short stories and poetry into contests when I was really young. Hmm. Uh, I won a few contests. That's but, cool. But they they pushed creativity and free thinking on us. Huh. <clears throat> they wanted us to be because, like I said, I grew up in Tennessee. Yeah uh the south is steeped in culture yes but the culture that's there isn't always uh you know the the nicest or cleanest mm-hmm. and uh, my parents were very big on making sure they wanted us to be cultured. they wanted us to be educated mm-hmm. they wanted us to be well versed in all forms of art uh, they wanted us to understand all of that so I, I'm i'm thankful that our parents pushed those things because we could have turned out to be completely different kids. Yeah, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm
0: sitting, the wheels are turning down, I'm thinking, I wish more parents were doing that today, mm. you know. It's almost, I mean, there's this pervasive attitude we're seeing more and more with parents, that, and it's like, hey, don't bother me,
1: you know, yeah. I, I got stuff to do, and or the you know, know. the iPad or the yeah. smartphone, and just you know, go play again, yeah, just go. And you see these little kids on it and stuff, instead
0: of using your own creativity, mm-hmm. it, learn that musical instrument, learn how to draw,
1: see, I, learn I was, how to write. I know. got to build my own tree house, and mm, me too. 20 feet in the air, oh. we couldn't have made it more dangerous, oh, but, but my mom let us build that tree house up in the tree, and she told us, she goes, you know, when you break your leg, the one that didn't break their leg, come and get me. You know? <laughs> okay, did you guys have a trap door in yours with a rope where you could escape? We didn't have a trap door in it, uh, but we had a, a pretty cool tree house. We lived on a 250-acre farm. Oh, nice. So we had uh, basically a junkyard, so we had a, an old truck camper as the roof on our tree house. So it had the little sliding windows on it. How
0: cool is that? We
1: had vinyl siding from a a trailer on one of the properties. Okay, I'm jealous. I'm (laughs) jealous. Mine wasn't that cool. (laughs) But we built it ourselves. That was, you know, my mom was was not scared for for us to go out camping and hiking Mm -hmm. and hunting and fishing. See, and that, again, is
0: what... I think a lot of younger people miss today they don't have you know uh, we didn't grow up on a big ranch but my grandfather had one and it's they called it a ranch it's orchards and i remember that you know i remember working in the orchard and and there's just something different about that or going out and and you know hiking and hunting and fishing and and it's just a it it gives you a different mindset it does your
1: value on on things that you produce yourself yeah, it's greater. I mean, yeah, it you, really is. You you appreciate things much more,
0: and then, and like you said, it, it's that part of you add to your tool better. When you could look at this thing and say, "Oh, I made this," or "I wrote this song," or "I did this poetry," mm-hmm. uh, and I'd really encourage those of you that are, that are with us on this show to think about that. Think about some. Don't wait for somebody else to encourage you. We're encouraging you to do it. Okay, find a way to be creative. Now, if you could go back in time and talk to your 12-year-old self, what would you say about having a career in music? Would anything change?
1: Yeah, get a full-time job and play (laughs) play (laughs) music on the side. Okay. (laughs) You know, honestly, I think I did it the right way. Um, I did not go to school for music. I could have pursued music as my major, Mm -hmm. uh, and that would have changed nothing, Hmm. uh, I, I don't think. Uh, I still have studio gigs. I still perform nice. uh, live every week. Uh, I know a lot of musicians that went to school for it that have you know, a part-time job teaching music on mm. the side, and they work less hours than I do playing music. Uh, so the one thing that, and, and the reason for that was, I didn't want to make music feel like my job. Mm. Because if it's your job, and it's your only job, you still have a chance to resent it. And Mm, I never wanted to resent it. Interesting. I never wanted to resent playing music. I always wanted it to be a choice that I made, not my career path. Mm. And it still is, like you know, I have a few jobs. Yeah. uh, yeah. But music is still on my career path. It's just not my sole source of income. Mm. I don't have to stress about playing music to pay my bills. And that's what's always Mm. made a big difference Mm -hmm. for me. That's huge. It's helped me keep my passion and my love for it. I was going to say, you still have your passion board because I,
0: I have some friends that are actors, and I hear them say, oh, you know, if I could just find another way, and they're full time, and I have to basically say yes to mm. everything because you know you got to pay the bills and right. and that kind of thing. So you have allowed yourself, you've given yourself that gift of being able to be passionate about music, and I think we all need to find something we're passionate about. Mm. You know, I I think it's. If you can find something you're passionate about, then you never really work a day in your life because you've got that. And whether you're full time in music or you're doing music, uh, I still do. I, I do a lot of different things, and I still love doing the session work and teaching students and performing. Sure. You know, but I'm not relying upon that. It's not a nine to five, exactly. five days a week. It's it's not, and and although I don't know if I could do studio work maybe nine to five I might might be tempted you know
1: you know there was a short period of time where I thought about uh, you know possibly going into uh, recording engineering Mm. and I've got I've got several friends that do it Uh, my one friend Schmitty uh, he still does it to this day he's still very passionate about it that Mm. is his bread and butter and he's phenomenal Mm. at it he has great ear for it Mm -hmm. he's good at staging microphones that is that is his passion and that is his job Um, but I will be honest, he's one in a million. Mm-hmm. Not everybody that I know that has the 9 to 5 music job still appreciates it and loves it every single day. Yeah, Because no. it still comes down to being a job at the end of the day.
0: No, it really does. And and if you can make a good living... I, I mean, I have several friends that are doing it full-time, mm-hmm. and, and they, they seem to still be passionate about it. Sure. Let's go back to something for a minute. It's um, This is a month where we... Uh, nationally try to emphasize, you know, kind of anti-bullying and stuff. Mm. You mentioned being bullied, which I had not heard of that before. How did you handle that? Um, and, and I'm thinking in terms of somebody who's watching or listening to us, to our conversation, and who's struggling. They're being bullied right now. Mm. Um, and it's taking its toll, unfortunately. I mean... Younger and younger students are taking their lives, and unfortunately, I think it has, in part, to do. And I'm not anti-social media at all. I think it's great, but now it's, it's, it's you know, with with, you go before social media, if somebody bullies you, okay, it's at school, it's not going all around the world, it's not there, you know, picking at you 24-7, but what, how did you handle being bullied, and what would you say to somebody who is being bullied?
1: Well, I'll tell you how I handled it, and I will tell you that that's not how you should handle it. Okay. Um, Oftentimes, when when someone is bullied or picked on or abused, um, the repercussion for that person is that later down the line, they pay it forward. Mm-hmm. and they bully someone else mm-hmm. because they've already been hurt and we already feel broken emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very easy to want to reciprocate that and, and lash out because we're already hurting. Um, I'll tell you some of the biggest regrets I have in my life, and I don't have many of them, uh, some of the biggest regrets I have are feeling hurt and feeling bullied and in turn bullying somebody else because I felt hurt. Um, mm. And that's that's not what we should do. The The thing that I've learned and it's taken me a, a you know, a good portion of my life, is that waking up in the morning isn't a choice. But once we're awake, we get to choose how we handle our day. Ooh. And we get to choose to make a good day out of it, or we get to choose to make a bad day out of it. And that's not life handing it to you. That's what we do with it when we're handed it. We, we can choose to see the positive in, in what's around us. And I know that sounds easier you coming from me, uh, especially if you're in that situation currently, Mm -hmm. but waking up and choosing to take a bad situation and still make it a good situation, or I guess in turn, instead of lashing out and becoming the bully in turn, showing some compassion and love to the people around you because that in itself will definitely heal those wounds that we have from people who attack us and hurt us. That's huge that is absolutely
0: huge. I mean, it's, it's a choice. And life is a gift, we wake up, and, and to remember that, that we have to choose, mm. that's huge, that, that is absolutely huge. You know what? We're going to have to have a conversation again because we got so much to talk about. I appreciate you taking time. How can um, can people follow you
1: on social media? And- yeah, normally uh, I, I'm actually revamping my Facebook. Currently, my Facebook is deactivated, but I can tell you that if you uh, soon it will be reactivated. You can go to facebook.com/backslash. It's Chapman time. My last name is Chapman. C H A P M A N. It's Chapman time. Is my Facebook URL, and then on Instagram, it is at Chris Chapman Music.
0: Awesome. I'm going to write. Give us that again, just and so I'm the
1: Facebook URL is Facebook.com backslash It's Chapman Time. I T S C H A P M A N T I M E. And for Instagram, Instagram is at Chris Chapman Music. Awesome. Thanks for taking time. Of course.
0: Thank you, And, and so We didn't even have a chance to talk about Build Up. We're, that's where we met a few months ago, and we're going to do a Build Up here what, in we are. just a couple of weeks, I think. So we are. We'll have to talk more about that. And There's a whole bunch of
1: other stuff we'll talk about. We'll, sure.
0: We'll sneak in between your gigs and your jobs. Yeah, and maybe, maybe uh,
1: we'll plug my, my new album. Absolutely. But, you know, coming up, and then we can talk some more.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. And I do have one other request. I want to play music with you sometime. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And that would be so fun. Hey, man, thanks. Of course. It's Steve. always great to be with you and great to see you. Likewise this is U-Talk Radio.